In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, we are still in the season of Epiphany. And the Epiphany season invites us to ask the question, Who is Jesus? And it also invites us to resist the temptation to believe that we already have it figured out. That we've been doing this for a long time. That we've read these stories and we've been to the Bible studies and we know exactly who Jesus is and how Jesus sees the world. But Epiphany invites us to see Jesus each year with brand new eyes. And not to assume that we have the whole story or the complete picture or that there is nothing else to learn. And I think about kind of uh, the foolishness in ever thinking that we know anyone in in their completeness or in their entirety, uh, much less Jesus. And this week I've been thinking so much about uh, my marriage and Laura and I celebrated our ninth uh, wedding anniversary in October of 2020, and so we're, we're inching towards year 10, and we were together for about two years before that, so uh, we've been together for almost 11 years, and we were friends before that, so we've known each other a long time. But still, almost on a daily basis, something will happen. She'll react to something, as I'm sure I react to something, and there is a new surprise about who she is and how she exists in the world, and how she might react to any given situation. And these last several weeks, uh, we have been uh, either attending the Enneagram formation class on Sunday mornings, or when I couldn't attend, I've been reading along in the book. And we've been having almost daily conversations about our Enneagram uh, number and what that makes us and how that describes who we are and our, our weaknesses and our strengths. And really, like the last month have been this moment of kind of new self-discovery of who we are as both people and a couple. And I hope that this never ends. I hope that I'm always uh, discovering new things about who she is and never assuming that I know everything. And I hope to have that posture towards the whole world. Because every person I meet offers me something brand new. And if I can hold this posture towards the world, I hope that I can also hold it towards Jesus. No matter what seminary degrees hang on my wall, no matter how many years I've been in the church, no matter how many years of EFM I've done, or how many books are in the bookshelf, there is still more to learn. And so I love the season of Epiphany, because we get invited to go along with the journey of those who were encountering Christ for the very first time. Before there were hundreds of thousands of uh, popular Christian songs and hymns, and Jesus out in popular culture through books and movies and television shows and sermons, all the ways that we've heard Jesus described to us in someone else's words. Before those layers and layers and layers of meaning and commentary existed, there was Jesus, the historical Jesus, the person existing in time and space and people encountering him for the very first time. And these people were getting this glimpse of the Messiah in a way that maybe you and I won't ever have on this earthly plane, but Epiphany invites us to try 
to peel back the layers of assumption and meaning that we've layered on and to see Christ again for the first time anew, to be changed, to be challenged, and to grow. Now, what's really funny is that we, uh, we've had 2,000 years to get the complete picture. And yet, if you take a drive around San Antonio, what you will find is uh, a church on every street corner with a different denomination kind of name on it. And all of us can't get together in the same building. 2,000 years has not created a space in the church where we can all gather around the same theological beliefs and faith practices, where we can all come to the same table and say, yes, this is the mission that God has given us. This is the Jesus that you and I will follow together. In fact, sometimes we have trouble not only coming around uh, uh, like the discussion table together, but we've got trouble just coming around the dinner table and sharing a meal. Have you ever sat across the table from someone who told you what Jesus meant to them and you scratched your head and thought, are we talking about the same person? Is this the, same Je- is this the Jesus that you hear about at the church that you go to? And there might be a suspicion that this is caused by being so far removed from the original historical Jesus. It's been so many years, but the truth is, is that even in the beginning in that first century church, there was disagreement. If you've ever read any of the New Testament, you'll realize the authors were warning about other teachers that would come and other understandings of who Jesus was, and they were telling those first followers to be careful, to stand your guard, to not be swayed by these other opinions. And that's because it's difficult for us to see Jesus in his completeness. It's hard for us to hold the complete story all at once. And our human nature wants us to shave down the contours of who Jesus is so that he fits more neatly into our lives. So that he tucks away into a neat, comfortable box that we can put on the shelf of our life and he does not disrupt any part of who we are. But Jesus, since the very beginning, has been a disruptive force. He does not come into the world uh, to protect the status quo or to keep things as they are, but he comes to overturn tables, to disrupt, to challenge, and to change lives. It's why these disciples and those who were gathered in the synagogue on that day were astounded by his teaching and compared it and said, it is nothing like what the scribes and the other religious leaders have taught us because his words were different. They were radical. They were unlike anything that they had ever heard before. Which brings us to our epiphany reading that we've read this morning. Now, I love the Gospel of Mark. I've said that a couple of times now in sermons, but I really do love it. It's the earliest. Uh, it's, it's the least fluffy of the Gospels. It's, it's, it's light on fluff and heavy on uh, immediate details, just story after story after story, almost without any type of segue in between. And if you read the gospel this morning or you listened to it, what you might not have realized is this is the first chapter of Mark. And we're only 20 verses in. This is verse 21. But already so much has happened in this chapter. It opens with John the Baptist out at the riverside. He's out in the wilderness and he is proclaiming the coming of the Messiah. And then Jesus comes. 
And as John is calling others to repent, Jesus enters the scene to be baptized. And then immediately after that, Jesus is swept out into the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days and for 40 nights. And then he re-enters society. He begins his earthly ministry, and he calls his first four disciples. Simon, Andrew, John, and James. And then this little ragtag group of followers, believers, disciples, follow Jesus into Capernaum, into the synagogue, on the Sabbath, on a day where they know other people will be there, and Jesus begins to teach, and his teaching astounds people. I tell you this because math or Mark is attempting to answer the question of who is Jesus by giving us a strong first impression. If you want to know who Jesus is, look at what he does with his life. Look at the first thing that he does in his ministry. And so Jesus is teaching and other people are gathered around and in the midst of the crowd there is a man with an unclean spirit. Now, the way that ancient Israel was organized, they were organized around a holiness code. Their whole society was organized into concentric circles. The center of it was Jerusalem, and in the center of Jerusalem was the temple. And in the center of the temple was the Holy of Holies. And the closer you got to the center of the circle, the closer you were to God. But as you moved out, the further away, the less holy the space was until you got all the way out to the margins of society. And if someone was unclean, this is where these people would be put. So a man with an unclean spirit had no business being in the synagogue. He should have been out on the edges of society and the scribes and the religious leaders and the other people would have expected this person to be out there. They would have never invited him in. But suddenly, in the midst of this crowd, while Jesus is teaching, there is a man with an unclean spirit. And Jesus is not afraid. He does not shoo this man out. He does not call security. But he walks closer to him, and he enters into close proximity with the man who is unwell, And the unclean spirit immediately recognizes who Jesus is. And Jesus does not see this unclean spirit as the whole of who this person is, but casts the unclean spirit out. And in so doing, he welcomes the man back into society. Where everyone else would have seen this unclean spirit, this man with an unclean spirit, as just not fitting. He needs, to be, he needs to be somewhere else. He needs to be on the outside of the city. He is disrupting our way of living. Jesus sees this man and sees him as someone who deserves dignity, healing, and respect. And so he casts out the unclean spirit and he invites the man back in. And everyone is amazed. And today, as we reflect on this passage and we ask ourselves again, Who is Jesus? Perhaps we can reflect on this. Jesus is the one who enters in with people that everyone else wants to push to the outside. Jesus is the one who sees people who are unwell and desires not to push them away, but to draw them close and to heal them. Jesus is the one who does not break relationships, but heals them. Jesus is the one who sees us not in just the parts of our life that are unwell, but sees us as whole people who are deserving of love, of dignity. 
of respect. And it wasn't just for some people. It was for everyone he met. In this epiphany season, I hope that we can reflect on this. Who is Jesus? I think we get a pretty good answer in the first chapter of Mark. And I hope that as we venture forward this year, we can be more and more like him, both as individuals and as a shared community. Amen.